Oh, wait a second here. You think you're prepared for a totally taboo podcast series? Yeah, you think so? Hey, what does taboo mean? A fair question. The three T words, taboo, truths, tales, are used in the title of a very unique podcast series from Las Vegas. Why? Because the Vegas podcast series deals with subject matter from American life considered to be taboo. Often what one person considers to be taboo is also at the exact same time considered common sense by another person. Like not listening to medical doctors for advice or how to stay healthy. Also like digging deep into what really goes on with sex workers in Las Vegas. Wait, what's actually going on in that podcast series? Well, here's the deal. This Vegas podcast series is called Taboo Truths and Tales, and it's been on since 2021, coming to you from Sin City. Some of the most popular podcast episodes in this series have exceeded 6,000 listener downloads to date. Wow! What are the episodes about? Some episodes spotlight strong women role models. These are not famous women, but you will be glad you learned about them. One recent podcast episode features a young woman who arranges funerals for a living in Las Vegas. Yes, she does. Other episodes present fiction stories from the world of horror that scare the living daylights out of you. One example, a two-part story called Pumpkin Emperor, presents a demon who walks around with a rotting pumpkin on his neck and shoulders instead of having a normal human head. Oh yeah, I hate when that happens, don't you? Very few podcast series today present original material in the way that Taboo, Truths, and Tales does for you so weirdly and consistently coming to you from Las Vegas. Okay, so where do you find the Vegas podcast named Taboo, Truths, and Tales? Listen up, I'll tell you. Go to their website now, taboopodcastvegas.com. That's taboopodcastvegas.com. This highly unusual podcast series explores an entire world of taboo, but truthful fiction and nonfiction topics. This podcast series serves as a guided tour of memorable truths and tales made in Las Vegas for adult listeners to savor as bedtime stories. These are explicit and uncensored podcast episodes. This means you don't want to listen while you're operating heavy machinery. Taboo Truths and Tales podcasts are made in Las Vegas online at TabooPodcastVegas.com. TabooPodcastVegas.com. Hello and welcome. This podcast is marked explicit. Hosted by Madera D'Souza. That's me. Some of you may know me by my nickname as Woody. Whatever you want to call me, I welcome you here to this podcast. Now, let's get started. Thank you. The following is brought to you in living anger. This is a glorious and explicit, a red, white, and blue all-American true life story about becoming popular and becoming powerful and inciting anger and violence in everyday people. This kind of inciting of anger leading to widespread unrest and violence has happened many times in history. January 6, 2021 is one historical example in the United States. Some Americans believe there will be a second civil war because one man wants to become powerful and tell others what to do. That is what bullies have always done to others. Donald John Trump attained fame as a man of the business world in and around New York City where he was born in 1946. In 2004, when Trump was age 58, his fame was boosted directly because of his work as the star of The Apprentice, which was an NBC television series. For 14 seasons, Trump's on-screen work on commercial television in the United States was made possible because of the professional skills of television producers, writers, video editors, and audio technicians. Trump's appearances on The Apprentice did not come about after he was recorded on audio and video equipment, and then the unedited content was sent out over national television to viewers. No, it's not that simple at all. Doing television that way would be so much simpler, wouldn't it? 
But doing television that way, we give you exactly what the cameras and microphones picked up. Isn't it true that technical devices merely capture the reality which is there for later playback? But wait. Television programming from the very beginnings in New York City was meant not to capture reality. Television programming was meant to create an on-screen reality that would look to the viewers watching it on television screens as though it had been authentically captured as things actually happened. This is no secret, even though many everyday people may not know exactly what is going on when they watch the screen. This process is just what television does very well and has been doing since the 1940s. Very well. The process of making one hour of a national network television programming time using cameras and microphones in a studio and out in real-world locations in New York City is a very well-known process. You would be making a mistake if you concluded that watching The Apprentice gave you an actual and genuine factual look at Trump and how he conducted business in New York City. The whole thing all 14 seasons of Trump as the star of The Apprentice did not come out of the network news division at all. The Apprentice starring Trump was a multi-season entertainment property that made a lot of money from advertising revenue for NBC, and in so doing transformed Trump into a proven national media celebrity with significant power. That power Trump gained because of being on national network television from New York City has always been a matter of attracting and maintaining attention for himself and for generating revenue from that attention which he brings to himself. This is an essential truth about all television or movie celebrities. We Americans enjoy watching television and movies. We spend many hours watching programming at home, and now many of us also watch programming transmitted to handheld devices while we are on the go. Our love affair with media content presented on a screen is here to stay. So let us look at why does it seem that Trump is angry? He comes across quite clearly as angry every time he appears on screen today or posts text online. What is going on there? What motivates Trump to successfully come across as angry? Every time we see him on screen or read his words online, day in, day out. And how is the consistent and clearly present Trump anger at the core of why he is so popular? But first, let's look at this from the perspective of television viewers who are watching on-screen entertainment. Those who are responsible for entertainment and media content presented on a screen all understand very well that each of us has the mental capacity to be skeptical and to disbelieve what we see and what we hear while watching the screen. The so-called reality television genre provides an excellent example of how viewers are invited to disregard everyday skepticism and disbelief while embracing what's depicted on screen as believable and credible, or at least make us feel that what we are seeing on screen might be worth watching for its entertainment value. The Apprentice was within the genre of reality television. It was designed and intended as a competition show in which contestants competed on screen to win favor with Trump to get hired to work at one of his businesses. In real life, of course, nobody as important as Trump would ever agree to have cameras and microphones around all the time capturing what's going on in candidate job interviews, hiring decisions, background checks, and many other essential elements that exist within the real-life world of work. But Trump appearing in The Apprentice was never meant to be real life. Not at all. This was not a news documentary. No, not at all. The Apprentice successfully created what is accurately known as an on-screen reality. That on-screen reality depicted Trump in ways that may or may not have matched what Trump may or may not do in the real-life world of work. Trump as the star of The Apprentice consistently came across on screen as a very smart leader who was wealthy because of his leadership qualities very worthy of admiration, very deserving of loyalty, and so on. He showed off his solid gold bathroom fixtures in New York City on The Apprentice. What does it mean for someone to have a solid gold toilet? Think about what that means. The theme song chosen by producers for The Apprentice came out in 1973. It is a progressive soul song named For the Love of Money from the early 70s released by the OJs. It only reached number three on the music popularity charts. The repetition of money, 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 money five times in succession in that unforgettable song tells us all that we need to know about this television series. 
Nobody can dispute the absolute fact that we the American television and movie viewers are attracted to people who make a lot of money and who show off their financial success with extravagance. As with solid gold toilets and jet planes with a big name, all in capital letters. And those traits were emphasized in the on-screen reality created for Trump for transmission out to all of us on The Apprentice. So think about this, why is Trump so angry? He comes across as very wealthy. Tens of millions of Americans admire him. He is very good at generating revenue by using all the elements a media celebrity has at their disposal. Could it be that Trump is angry because he is not satisfied with how his particular media celebrity turned out? Could it be that Trump is angry because not everybody believes him to be deserving of their trust? Why does Trump come across as so angry every day? Could it be that the on-screen reality bankroll by a for-profit television network does not necessarily align with day-to-day -day reality? Or, maybe, just maybe it is something else entirely. The anger Trump displays. What if it is a performance? What if the Trump anger is not real? What if it is a show that we watch like we once watched The Apprentice every week on NBC? What if the Trump anger that we see and read online today is not genuine? What if the famous Trump anger is an act or a performance? There is a huge difference between what is genuine versus what we see on screen. A perfect example of this concept of two different realities is how we may be deeply familiar with the Starship Enterprise. We can probably even name many of her captains and crew members. But all of us do genuinely know that starships don't actually exist, and that the Enterprise and the adventures with its crew come from science fiction storytelling began in Hollywood. Why haven't viewers figured out that Trump's strong and successful leadership qualities as depicted on The Apprentice were created and maintained by professional television producers and writers for 14 seasons? Good question. Keep that important question in the front of your mind and keep listening. In 2015, Trump grabbed even more attention by announcing that he wanted to get elected president of the United States. Many observers laughed at the time at the curious idea that anyone who came from outside the long-standing traditions and inner circles of American partisan politics could ever think of getting elected as president of the nation. Then the laughing stopped suddenly. Full stop. That was the day when Trump used his first public speaking engagement as a presidential candidate to insult and disparage Mexicans. This moment in history was far from the high standards of cherished presidential oratory. This presidential candidate used words to elicit an emotional response from all those who heard or read what he had said about Mexicans. You may remember the request I made to keep in the front of your mind the question as to why did viewers not figure out Trump's strong and successful leadership qualities were examples of on-screen reality. Okay, you can think about that question again here and now. What if Trump said those disparaging and insulting things against Mexicans because he thought that up in his mind? What if the words he said aloud actually represented when he really thinks about Mexicans? What if he never got approval for what he was intending to say aloud that day to disparage and insult Mexicans with any of his advisors or campaign staff? What if? What if? What if? What if? There actually is little point in answering the question of who writes for Trump unless you happen to be taking a university-level course in the history of speechmaking. Whenever he speaks, we're the words that may have actually originated from someone else's mind at that moment the words belong to Trump. They become Trump's words at that exact moment. He achieves ownership. Forever. The words become his. Nobody to credit or blame for the words but himself. It is a known truth in the real world we all live in today. Words of consequences that are found in real life. Even a young school kid knows that is true in real life once they get beaten up by playmates for mounting off to the wrong person on the playground and pissing somebody off that was more powerful. As a direct result of his choice of words to insult and denounce Mexicans, NBC TV said these famous words to Trump himself. You're fired. They said that to Trump. Then the network chose to replace him as the host of The Apprentice. And they selected Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, the movie star and former governor of California. The Trump show with Arnold sank in the ratings faster than Arnold could say Sarah Connor. 
Trump then went on to do something Arnold could never do because Arnold was born in Austria. Trump was born in the United States of America in New York City, and so it was that Trump became the first national media celebrity to get elected president. Trump pushed the long-standing limits of political speech as far as he could. He may have been fired from The Apprentice, but who needs an entertainment television show as compared to becoming president of the United States? There is another below-the-surface fact many may not want to consider because it is kind of humiliating. Trump attracted voters even though he lacked credentials like those of other presidential candidates. Anyone can examine historical records as the basis for comparing Trump to others who governed from the Oval Office preceding him. The records show Trump became president aided by his being a powerful media celebrity even though he lacked any experience whatsoever in any elected office. He never served in any branch of the United States military. He holds no law degree. He never passed a bar exam and was never licensed to practice law. Keep in mind, however, that Trump campaigned as a candidate promising to be a disruptive influence in Washington, D.C. if elected. The promise of an older white male who would be a disruptive president proved to be very tempting to tens of millions of voters. It is easy to imagine older white male voters very excited to hear Trump speaking apparently on behalf of them. But in truth, Trump was an outsider to Washington, D.C. His promises to disrupt resonated very strongly with tens of millions of Americans, but aided by the work of professional television producers and writers who had invested 14 seasons in creating a clear persona for Trump on The Apprentice as a disruptive leader in the business world. Of course, what viewers saw on television on The Apprentice was created reality, not factual truth. Eventually, the real Trump in the real world was accused in courts of law of unlawful behaviors. Trump claims in public remarks and in online text that on the path to a 2024 presidential election that he never did anything illegal, and that instead, he is being persecuted within the American legal system by those who oppose him politically. Oh, Trump says, cry for me, feel as I feel. I am angry. I am suffering. I am being attacked by political enemies who want to hurt me. I have done nothing illegal. This, of course, is not a legal defense that can work in any courtroom in any city or any state. But such self-pitying claims from Trump of political persecution remain very popular with Trump followers and supporters despite numerous pending felony charges beyond New York. His supporters and followers feel for him. They agree that he is being persecuted and is suffering. Like Trump, his supporters and followers do not understand the truth. Sometimes political ambitions do not lead to big success and bigger fame. Politics has never been about all winning all the time. Trump has failed to accept this basic reality of real life probably because he got his start in national fame on scripted television shows where professional TV producers and writers were always available to make the story turn out the way the producers wanted the story to turn out. Sometimes people lose in the game of politics. Trump, for example, lost the 2020 presidential election to Joe Biden. Maybe this is why Trump seems so angry all the time even though he accomplished great wealth and incredible fame. Earning lots of money and becoming quite famous are supposed to make people very happy. Why is Trump not showing that he is feeling happy? Maybe Trump must continue to perform as the angry man or else his followers and supporters might not remain loyal. Oh shit. What if they stop giving money to fuel the angry Trump show? Can you imagine if Trump suddenly turned into a nice guy public speaker? No way that could happen. Anger is easy to understand. Coming across as nice may be interpreted as a weakness. Behaving nicely must come from some genuine inner source in any person. But perhaps what the great American comedian Groucho Marx said was 100% true. Groucho Marx said this, The secret to life is honesty and fair dealing. And if you can fake that, you've got it made. But let's return to Trump. To claim Trump's legal issues are merely partisan political conflicts is best understood as a tactic to change the subject. Trump's followers and his supporters do not want anybody to consider the possibilities that Trump actually broke the law deliberately and knowingly. What if it leaves some of the criminal things Trump is accused of doing actually were actual and true? 
We will not know how this turns out until or unless there are legal verdicts against Trump in the near future. The best argument of all that negate Trump's claims of being hurt by someone else's words comes from Trump himself from 2015. He insulted and disparaged Mexicans in a public speech at the start of his first campaign for the presidency. He made many Mexicans feel hurt then, and some may continue to feel hurt from the words Trump spoke. Did Trump care how he made Mexican people feel? Stop and think about this question. Spoiler alert. Trump proves almost every day of his life by the words he chooses when he communicates that he cares the absolute most about his own feelings above everyone else's. Remember, two of his favorite words are revenge and dictator. Oh shit. A self-centered focus which Trump has from deep within him helped make him a wealthy man. No question about that. Trump emerged the frontrunner for the Republican Party going into the 2016 presidential election. Trump attracted significant amounts of money from wealthy people to fund his ongoing power. Just as Trump had done before, generating large sums of revenue for NBC on a reality television show, Trump proved successful again in bringing in a lot of money from his fame. But this time he generated money to fund his run for the White House. Rebecca Mercer and her father Robert Mercer are two low-profile conservatives who are top examples of how Trump generates revenue from very wealthy people. The Mercers gave high levels of funding to Trump on his way to winning the presidency. Other wealthy people who sent revenue for Trump's political efforts included Steve Mnuchin, formerly of Goldman Sachs but who later went on to finance Hollywood movies. Trump made Mnuchin Treasury Secretary 2017 to 2021. These are only two of many examples of wealthy people channeling money to Trump to further his political ambitions. The longer Trump generates revenue from fame, the more he continues to boost his success at maintaining supporters and followers as a powerful media celebrity. The power of money, 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 money is everything. The Apprentice theme song will not let us forget that. Trump began this media celebrity success starting in 2004 on a network television reality show in New York City. Two decades later, he is still generating revenue to pay for his political ambitions. But notice that this time is very different from the 2016 presidential campaign. Media celebrity Trump no longer holds any elected office after being president for only four years. He is under indictment for falsifying of business records in New York City, for holding classified government documents in Florida, for federal election obstruction in Washington, D.C., and for election racketeering in Georgia. This is not what Trump calls fake news. This is real-life American history with documentation and verification easy for anyone to find online. Whether you choose to believe it or not is entirely up to you. Below the surface, once again we go. Western civilization as we know and love it today long ago embraced a human behavioral standard started by ancient Greeks who taught the world that virtuous people who speak well are the ones who will earn success as leaders. All those dead Greek men did not stand alone in the advancement of that particular worldview. In the 15th century, the Jesuits set in motion enduring educational standards rooted in sharing what to them was a simple cherished ideal to produce virtuous people who speak and write well. Centuries later, Trump paved the way for a new generation of politicians, who all have learned from what the angry old white man from New York City accomplished. We all have witnessed Trump disregard what had once been cherished centuries-old rules of communication. And we all have seen him repeatedly getting away with being insulting and disparaging while gaining traction with significant portions of the American voting population even though his public speaking and online texting is aggressive, dismissive, and self-centered. Trump once bragged that he could shoot someone on the street in New York City and his followers would still support him. Those may be the most disturbing words Trump has ever spoken. The Trump secret for staying in power can best be understood by looking at the rift in American culture widely separating millions of Americans today. American culture began to fracture decades ago. Back in the late 1950s, these opposing forces of culture shattered the nation into two distinct groups of people stemming from their holding conflicting ideological beliefs on major issues. 
namely American women's freedom to make their own reproductive choices, LGBTQ plus legal status and civil rights, the legal status of cannabis, the management of fair elections and voting, immigrants from Mexico, and the U.S. military presence in foreign wars. For many years, there has been a longing by one of the opposing sides to take control of American culture. That side, often labeled as right-leaning, is comprised of people who are firmly convinced academia and the national mass media, and especially Hollywood, have held a stranglehold on culture that needs to be severed. The beliefs of that side, often labeled as right-leaning, are clear. The first one is this. Women shall not have any freedom to make decisions about their own bodies and whether or not they give birth. The second one concerns the biased opinion that only people who are heterosexual shall have full social and legal rights. The third belief is that cannabis shall remain against the law at the federal level. The fourth belief is that voting should be restricted and notably that mail-in ballots shall never be permitted. The fifth is that people who come to the United States from south of the border are not at all welcome and should be forcibly sent back where they came from against their will. And the sixth belief is that the U.S. military should not get into any presence in foreign lands that could lead to wartime casualties of Americans. That's it. Plain and simple. This could easily be the platform of the National Republican Party, or perhaps an updated party name would be the Revenge Dictatorship Party. Those six beliefs aim to exclude certain groups, women, black people, gay people, Mexicans, and others, from benefiting from social and civil freedoms. If you agree with those six beliefs, then you belong in the group often labeled as right-leaning. When Trump won the presidency in 2016, doing so caused a huge cultural tsunami favoring the right wing in the United States. And that gave hope and encouragement to all those who want to take control of U.S. culture. In the wake of the Trump 2016 victory conversations were held across the nation on variations of this theme. We now are in power. So now it is time for us to take control over culture. This cultural shift stimulated what is best called a revenge motive against the status quo in American culture. Trump has consistently played up his outsider status and doing so has resonated well with those who follow and support him. He urged voters to send him to Washington, D.C. in 2016 because as an outsider, he was exactly the best person to disrupt the status quo in the federal government, the best person to make the kinds of changes that those in the right wing wanted to see happen. His promise to disrupt Washington, D.C. gained traction with tens of millions of Americans who had seen Trump on The Apprentice. As an aggressive, Highly robust older white man who was not shy or reserved or willing to sit quietly and politely by like older people are generally expected to do. Trump put this promise to the voters directly when he promised to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. Millions of Americans will admit that they want to see the U.S. federal government swamp drained if there is such a thing as a federal government swamp. Millions of Americans want to see cultural control taken away from academia, the national mass media, and especially Hollywood. These groups are where the people come from who favor and support Trump regardless of what he may say or write and regardless of the outcomes of his numerous criminal indictments. And these same people would likely continue to support Trump even if he were to shoot someone on the street in Manhattan. There is a deeply held belief that 2024 is the best possible time for the right-wing group to take control of American culture, even if taking over requires violence behavior. No compromises are likely. This is an existential fight in the American culture wars. How the battle for control over culture will turn out cannot be predicted with accuracy. One thing that can be predicted is that provoking anger from speeches and social media is far easier to pull off than all other human emotions, so the angry Trump show will continue on and on. And what is far easier to pull off such as stoking people's anger is going to be repeated and repeated and repeated. This is why Trump stokes the emotions of his supporters and followers, and then they start considering that there could be a second civil war in America. Also think about this. You and all your friends have no guarantee whatsoever that the anger Trump speaks about will be directly only at others and not at you. 
If there is violence on Main Street across America, how will you be protected from harm whether or not you carry a gun? Trump already is making speeches about this. He says he has a plan for the first official day of his presidency in January 2025 to use a Richard Nixon type of enemies list in revenge to get back at people he believes hurt him after he lost the 2020 presidential election if it happens that a revenge motive guides Republican Party politics. And if there is a notorious list of enemies, you personally, and people you love and support may be on that list. Neither you or any of your friends have a guarantee that the anger will be directed at and affect only others and not you. A second civil war in America may drain the swamp and that may mean you will be killed. You personally dead after some swamp draining. Many people happily think about a second civil war and romanticize about conservative states being able to split off from the rest of the country. The South will rise again. That's a popular fantasy that works in people's minds but would fail utterly in the real world we all live in. Life after a second civil war could be miserable and hopeless for those who are not killed in wartime. Also don't forget, Trump is a native of New York City, not the South. And he was a former Democrat. Except for Florida and Texas, none of the states dominated by right-leaning voters could ever survive economically or militarily on their own if they split off from the rest of the country. Choosing to believe that you will be saved and prosper merely because you support and follow Trump is a dangerous way to think. But tens of millions of Americans think that way. You should watch two movies to see the dangers of such thinking clearly depicted on screen. See the 2017 movie Bushwick, starring Dave Bautista. Also see the 2023 movie, Leave the World Behind, starring Julia Roberts. And remember, two of Donald Trump's favorite words are revenge and dictator. But more importantly, if you are someone who truly values individual freedom in the United States to continue, and for the continuation of liberty and justice for all, now is exactly the best time for you to take sides. If you are just becoming old enough now, so you are eligible to vote in November 2024, go ahead and register. People who vote in November 2024 can take collective control over preserving democracy in America by preventing a revenge dictatorship from destroying the United States of America. You have been listening to The Angry Trump Show from the Taboo Podcast Vegas series. This episode was written and produced by the creator and host of the podcast series. 